You are listening to Walking Home from the ICU. We will be exploring how to save and preserve lives in the ICU. All opinions and views shared are unaffiliated with any organization. What is it like to go from a normal ICU with a culture of standardized deep sedation for all patients of mechanical ventilation to an awake and walking ICU? ICU travel nurse Alex gives us personal insight into her own culture shock. Hello. Okay. Today I'm with Alex. She is a travel nurse from the West Coast and she came to the awake and walking ICU Um, with lots of experience and a different perspective. And so we're going to talk today about her culture shock. Thanks for joining (laughs) us, Alex. You are so welcome. (laughs) So what was it like coming to the Awake and Walking ICU initially? Well, I first got here and I didn't have any knowledge that you did not sedate vented patients. So I walked in and I got my assignment and the patient was awake and I was just really confused. (laughs) But I was, well, yeah, I mean, without any introduction at first, I was kind of just like, I don't, I don't understand, like, without being told this is what they were doing or any of that. I could see the rationale immediately. I was like, okay, I understand, like, why we'd be doing this, but I just didn't know the steps and, like, how that, how that would even look. So I felt unprepared, but at first, at least. And what, could, what was the shock? What was the initial gut reaction? Um, if, I mean, my first thought and, like, most of my friends, when I told them that they work in, like, the ICs on the East Coast, my first thought was, like, if I'm ever into it, like, I would rather be sedated. You just think that that's, like, it's kind of inhumane. Like, people want to be sedated if they're on the ventilator because why would you want to feel that? But mm-hmm. then, yeah, so I guess I was just, like, wow, this seems, like, cruel. <laughs> yeah. And was that patient that you first saw, were they struggling? Were they anxious? Were they writhing? Were they pulling up the table? No. We walked in the room and the patient was just, like, chilling. And they were, they were just like hanging out with their family and they were writing comfortably, being able to communicate. And I was like, this is odd. Like, I wonder if this is a one-time thing. But then, but then I repetitively saw patients that were like way chill on the vent and not sedated. And I was like, after you keep seeing that, then you feel a little bit more comfortable with it. But yeah, at first I was kind of just like, what, how, how? And so you reached out to your other friends and- what did you say to them? How did you explain it? I literally group texted all of my college roommates in the work in the ICU and said, to, to, to all of you sedate your vented patients, they said, are you kidding? Of course. And I was like, well, actually they don't here in Utah. And they were all like, what? Like everyone was shocked. I thought maybe I missed something. Like we just didn't right. do that in California. And I checked in with all my friends who work in Boston and New York. And I was like, hey, do you guys do this? And they were like, no, we've never done that before. So I was like, okay, this is just a Utah thing. But yeah, for now, maybe. Yeah. I think it's starting to move, but um, what was it like to walk a patient for the first time on the ventilator? Um, I mean, it was helpful to have respiratory there because I was like, I don't know if this patient is going to like, like, I, I don't know. I just like didn't know like yeah. if they would have like increased oxygen needs, which sometimes they do. We usually like walk them on 100%, I guess, yeah. which is fine. It's like walking someone on more oxygen than they're on baseline when they're like on a nasal cannula or something. Right. But yeah, I, I kind of was just like, I, if they're not sedated, they're fine. You just assume that like someone's not going to be walking on a ventilator. So you just yeah. like, don't, it doesn't make sense in your head. I couldn't really picture it. Yeah. And then we did it and it was super easy. But I mean, you're holding a lot of things, but yeah. like aside from that, it was totally easy. They were fine. And the yeah. patient was ready for patient it. The patient was great, actually. I mean, it's, it's obviously very good for the patient. 
Like, it makes so much sense. You're on the ventilator, your lungs need to get better, you're walking. It's like, duh. <laughs> so, yeah, with that, how has your perspective changed? Yeah, I mean, it's just, like, it might be hard to, as a traveler, to, like, go back to seeing patients, like, on the vent all the time sedated. I feel like I'm going to be really, like, supportive of trying to wean sedation and probably get a lot of pushback, so I'm actually not really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, I think that it's, it's like, clearly seems like it has benefits for the patient. And so yeah. like it and benefits for early mobility, which I worked a lot about a lot in my last job, but we really didn't talk about, you know, we talked about getting patients like extubated earlier, which seemed easy because a lot of them were cardiac surgery patients. Mm -hmm. Um, so they weren't here for respiratory needs. So it was kind of a little bit different, but I think that like talking about early extubation is great, but when that's not an option, talking about like weaning sedation is more important, but it didn't seem like we had breached that topic yet. Right. Yeah. Um, and how do you see a difference in outcomes? Granted, you weren't working with real respiratory yeah. failure cases that usually require extended amounts of time yeah. on the ventilator, but how do you see this benefiting the overall outcomes of patients? I mean, it just seems like with early mobility and less delirium, like less concern for why are they confused or is it because they're on sedation for so long? It just seems like they're obviously going to spend less time in the ICU. That's great. I mean, it's money saver. It's better for them. Like... I don't see any bad outcomes, really. It just, awesome. it, yeah, <laughs> it just seems worthwhile to try everywhere. It seems like this is like should be news that more people are talking about, right? But I think the standard is kind of your same perspective. Like people yeah. don't even know that it's possible. We just, yeah, people, especially when we start our careers, we just do what yeah. we're, what we are exposed to and we're mm -hmm. told. It just no one really questions it. I hadn't even thought of it. I mean, I was like the early mobility champion and here I am like not even considering like thrown off sedation. Like, why would we do that? Like, yeah, it wasn't an option. It didn't seem like an option. We had to like cut the cord between sedation and ventilators. Yeah. Right. It just seems like one go, like they go hand in hand. Like right. if you are, we're going to like as a doc, write An order for like a, a ventilator bundle, it would come with like an order for sedation. Right. But right. And it like almost always does, I guess, but yeah, it doesn't have to. This, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so know. now what would your personal preferences be? As far as like sedating versus not sedating. I mean, there yeah, are I mean, clearly- if you were on the ventilator. Oh, I mean, yeah, I definitely don't want to be sedated if I don't have to be. Like, I didn't know it was possible to have, you know, a good experience on a ventilator, not sedated. Yeah. Um, and I think like when you're initially, like if the patient is initially confused, it is kind of a hard, you know, experience yeah. there. And sometimes you do have to use sedation, right? They're really confused. They're fighting the ventilator. That makes sense. But I think like giving all the patients an option to not be sedated and then sedating once you like know whether or not you have to is like the route that you should go. Not like sedate everyone assuming that everyone needs it, right? Like give everyone a chance to not and then kind of like backtrack if you need to. And you've seen some like recent, we've had some recent kind of hard cases where we've had to use some like light sedation. Yeah. And how do you see that managed differently as far as getting the sedation out quicker or what is our, yeah. Do you see a difference in the goals when we use sedation? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think like, I wouldn't say that docs here are necessarily stingy about it because if a patient needs it, like mm -hmm. they're happy to write for it, but we use things like, we use very, like small doses of Presidex or fentanyl yeah. or, you know, rather than like, di like overloading people with profile and everything else. I mean, it's like, and then as soon as you're ready, like the patient looks a little bit more like they'd be ready to come off of it. It's very easy to take off yeah. and it's, yeah, it's a lot easier of a transition. It's not just, it's not so abrupt. It doesn't seem. So I had a nurse online say, um, and, and, and I'm sure with good intentions, but I said, I want my patient so sedated. I don't want a muscle twitching. 
So now what would you <laughs> say to that? <laughs> what would you say to that besides woof? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like if you're trying to come at it from like another perspective, you could you could offer her the fact that it's like way easier to do your assessment when the patient's not sedated like that. Like how do you how do you know what the patient's functionality is or what like any of their mental capacity is if you're not I mean being able to complete like at least 50% more of your assessment because the patient is not completely knocked out is super beneficial to helping you shape their care and get them, you know, out of being in that state. So it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, yeah, from like an easy standard perspective, but that's just a nurse who's probably been at the bedside in the ICU for way too long. Like who wants to see somebody like a vegetable? That's not like, that's not what we're here for. It might make your shift a little bit easier, but like, that's not the bigger goal of what we're here for. (laughs) <laughs> awesome. I love it. Anything else you would share with the critical care world? Uh, I don't know. Not at the moment. Um, I think that I think that it's important for travelers who are like getting all of these different experiences to go out and try and give back in a way that like brings information to new hospitals. It's like the easiest way for information to circulate. So I would like to see hospitals maybe ask for our uh, like travelers opinions a little bit more the last facility I was at like asked what they were having a lot of trouble with uh collapses and they were like hey as a traveler what have you seen in other mm-hmm. facilities and I was able to sit down with their team and like give them a bunch of information and they found that super helpful so it'd be really interesting to watch more hospitals maybe involve travelers and their decision making like when they're trying to rewrite policies and stuff like what are you seeing other places because otherwise I don't know it just there's a lot of information out there and it's not being transferred quick enough because each hospital is doing something great but we're all working so independently like in silos and it's not yeah it's I mean it would be beneficial if we all like worked a little bit closer together yeah that's how we get stuck in our ruts yeah exactly such a good point well thank you for sharing your expertise and your experiences you're so welcome if you want to join in on the conversation Leave a voicemail at 801-784-0472 or reach out to me on Twitter.